What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O and host of the What to Know podcast show. And I am uh, joining you live. We've done this a couple times now. It must be an Oakland thing. We're at the Paradise Park Cafe in Oakland. And I am here with a good friend and a very smart person, Arthi Shaw, who is the COO and then head of strategic partnerships and senior editor at the Homes Report. I think as you get into the interview, you'll see she wears a lot of different hats. So welcome, Arthi, and thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's good because I think you and I have talked about this for about a year. And even though we've gotten together, we haven't actually done the podcast. So the way I like to start the podcast is sort of rewinding a little bit and looking where people came from and you know where they are today. Um, you have a fairly traditional in the sense that I sometimes have guests where it's like they started here and jumped over here, like me, Russian studies to marketing. Um, I think you knew early on you got a bachelor of business uh, and journalism degree at the University of Texas. So hook them. Uh, we both spent time in Austin. And since then, you spent time in roles with PR Week, March Communications on the agency side, and then you've been at the Homes Report for several years now. I guess, when did you know you wanted a career in communications journalism? Was that something you knew from, like, early days? You know, it's hard to believe now that I there was a time where I didn't cover. I wasn't a public relations watcher, which I tell people now, that's a thing. Um, I've been doing this now for over a decade, and I can barely remember a career that didn't include public relations as, as strongly as it does now. But, you know, but I, I actually started with the intent of being a, a mainstream journalist. You know, I did I did internships at New York Newsday and the News and Observer in, in Raleigh, um, North Carolina. And I had actually planned on being, you know, a, a mainstream journalist um, or a general assignment journalist. And then I think it was my business degree that once I learned about the trade publications, I was like, this is amazing. Like, you get to go so deep. You get to deal with a really intelligent um, audience. And so I actually first ended up doing um, defense. At, and I was in Washington, D.C. It was very nice. I had a Pentagon press pass. And, and, I, and, I, covered, um, and I covered defense um, policy, primarily around naval and Marines. And I liked that, but I knew it wasn't my forever beat. And then once I started covering PR, I have to say this, like it just clicked, like everything from the corporate reputation issues to, you know, agencies and how they're run and how they're, um, you know, their culture and their talent retention and attraction, stri- like everything just just resonated with me. So, um, so yeah, I think 20, 2007 is when I started that and over a decade now. Well, it's great. And um, I do want to help clarify for those. I think anyone that works in the comms PR world, uh, probably knows who you are and definitely knows who Homes Report is. Paul is certainly one of those beacons in the industry. But for those that don't, because we do have marketing, you know, digital folks that listen in, and I know you're cross-pollinating now, um, give us the little elevator pitch for who Homes Report is. So, I mean, and of course my elevator pitch is slightly biased, but I do think we are by far the most sophisticated source for both content and events in the industry. And with, with, a, with a focus primarily on public relations, but to your point, we do have a really broad definition of public relations. I think, oh, as we've seen, a lot of folks in the industry have sort of shied away from that term, but we embrace it wholeheartedly because we think public relations, we take it in the most literal sense that it is any relations with the public. It is not press relations. It is not media relations. It is relationships with all of your public stakeholders. So, so yeah, I'd say we are, we are the most sophisticated game in town for that. Well, you guys definitely do an amazing job, and it's one of the reasons why we like to work with you and support you uh, and get involved in in content and events. Um, 
good segue to the next question because you do wear a number of hats. I joked about that before, but you oversee strategic partnerships and business development, uh, but you also lead events, which I'm realizing I typoed on the sheet here, which drives me crazy, and strategic editorial um, content. So agency or best agency to work for. Uh, in particular, though, based on what you just talked about, let's talk a little bit about the Into Summit, right, which is all about innovation. Um, how did you come up with that? And that is one of those places where I think you guys have done a really nice job at blending people across the spectrum, not just comms folks, but marketing, digital, analytics, et cetera. So, um, and, and while my hats seem to be disparate, they all actually feed into each other pretty well and they're all more complimentary than than they might seem at, at first well I guess a COO glance. they do sort of tuck under they, that hat. They, they, they all they, they all do and and I think part of being able to handle partnerships is is having a good grasp on our editorial as well but to your question about the innovation summit you know it it started because you know the industry as we all know is in great influx right now and a lot of the change is not necessarily coming from folks who have the top titles right now. A lot of it is coming from the up and comers. And so we started the Innovator 25, which, you know, we, you know, Jim Weiss, the, the founder of W2O has been on there. So it's not like we, we haven't recognized, you know, the, 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 the CEOs and the founders of, of today. But we also look really closely at those folks who are trying to upend the business model and how we think about public relations and communications and, and integration. Um, so we started the Innovator 25, which was sort of designed or with that in mind. And then from that, we thought, well, why don't we get some of these folks on stage and, and get them in a room and, and, um, and, and see what they have to say about the future of the industry. So that's where the Innovation Summit really, really was born from. And it started in San Francisco, and we've, we've done, I think, three or four here, and we're doing our next one in 2019. We're, we're coming back to San Francisco. But then we had people coming to us and saying, you know, this isn't the only place innovation's happening. And we had an, an event in Chicago, which was, which was actually one of our, one of our best events, um, in New York. And these are cities that we'll probably visit again or markets that we'll visit again. But um, I think the lesson has been that, you know, innovation is happening all over not only this country but over the world. The Innovation Summit has now expanded. It's now our, our a global event with, with events in London and in Asia Pacific. So that's sort of where, where that came from is this idea of like, let's get that next generation of thinkers together um, to start sort of plotting the future of marketing communications. Well, it's smart. And um, I guess part of like, as I revisit that question, part of what was interesting to me is a COO certainly would be in charge of new revenue streams and business development. And by the way, you can hear motorcycles going on in the background demonstrates that we are really doing this live. Um, <clears throat> but you write as well. And that's, I think, one of the unique skills is that usually you kind of separate and you have it in your title or in your, your school degree. You were business and journalism, right? So you mix two things that don't always mix together. Um, and that, I think, was part of the unusual piece. So nodding to the journalistic side, I know that you and I have talked a lot about DNI, right? Diversity and inclusion and the importance of it and, you know, sometimes the dearth of it. Uh, you've been writing about this and, and doing some very in-depth pieces and research over the last few years. Are we seeing a change? Are we seeing improvements? You know, what's your state of the state? Yeah, and, and um, we actually did a pretty, uh, really in-depth um, three-part series last year on diversity and, and inclusion. And and, and, I, and, I, and I authored, I think, two out of three of the pieces. And to your point about journalism, that is one of the times where I definitely still put my journalism hat on because it is something that I've cared about pretty deeply for um, for a, a, a long time now. Um, so I'll start with the positive. Um, the 
and looking primarily at the agency side, I'll, I'll, I'll focus on that. Um, that, you know, we, the agencies that are serious about DNI have never been more serious about it. And we have never seen more resources, more thinking um, go into DNI um, with sort of the, with the, like a genuine interest in changing things and not just providing lip service. You know, we have organizations like Colorcom now. Um, you know, we you know we've seen progress on the gender side. I think that's been where we've seen the most progress. You know, we have folks like Karen Van Bergen, um, Barry Rafferty, who are taking on positions that that women have have really never never have in our industry before. Um, so so there, I think on the gender front, we're seeing more progress. I think on the ethnicity side, it's still slower. Um, and while I think the there is there is still really great intentions out there, and I do think that most agencies genuinely want to change things, I think a lot of agencies are stuck and they just don't know how, and they tend to revert to old thinking when that happens. We had, um, you know, like I still I still get agencies that will complain that there isn't um, a pipeline, and and there are there's a lot of research out there on how to rem remedy the the pipeline issue. So you know, sometimes when people tell me that, I, I try to direct them to some of the solutions. Um, there was an, an incident that, you know, I, I've seen some in incidents happen where sometimes the management will say, oh, they'll, they'll minimize it. They'll say, oh, that's no big deal. Or, or you know, the, the, the DNI committee is making too big of a deal out of something, which I think the problem there is I think management needs to step back and listen more than they need to react sometimes when it comes to DNI issues. I mean, it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky subject. And I think everyone uh, both management and, and probably recruities or employees or potential recruits um, are all trying to figure this out as we go. So we have to have room for mistakes and for missteps and, and realize that as long as they're well-intentioned, we should accept those. Um, but with a clear head that like, okay, when there is a misstep, there, we, there needs to be a clear lesson and, and some sort of change that comes on the back of that. Well, I like that answer. And I think that is patience is, is, while Kim Hunter is advocating for like, you know, he's impatient, uh, I think you can't change things overnight. And there does have to be this bubble up effect because you can't just make a layer happen that hasn't happened in the past. I will advocate for someone like Newhouse, right, which is part of Syracuse. We're very involved with them, so little self-serving, but I feel like they've done an amazing job at bringing up a lot of folks that are you know, diverse both from a, um, a gender as well as an ethnicity perspective. And they're very, very well educated, very well spoken, um, super smart, like really ready to jump in and roll up their sleeves. I do want to get into a different kind of diversity, which is this integration and uh, your colleague and sort of the namesake of the Holmes Report, Paul Holmes, wrote an article back in June, I believe, which is part of your featured content on your site, which I think is a newer feature. Um, we have to have a subscription to it. But it was interesting, and it was called, If Agencies Want to Offer Integration, Here Are 20 Principles to Make It Real. And so I think this is a tricky one because you, you nodded to this before where the, everything's converging and everything's changing so quickly. And I know a lot of agencies like ours are working hard to try to get to those capabilities that our clients expect. But, you know, are you seeing a change? Are you seeing agencies actually adopt some of these 20 principles you know, if you want to give examples, who's doing a good job? So, um, and and this was one where I, Aaron, you mentioned you were going to ask about this, and I, I have to caveat it that I I had been I've been on sabbatical for the last two months, and I'm, I'm in my second week back, so I had to I had to go back and and, and revisit some of um, Paul's 
recommendations. I think there was 10 or 12 of them. And, and I wanted to just touch on the ones that, that really stood out to me. Um, so understanding the business problem, I do think that the industry is doing a much better job of that than we have seen in years past. I, that I think, and, and, and I will give a shout out to W2O. I think you all have been really, really smart um, around sort of looking at looking at organizations holistically and not specifically at just the communications or marketing issue. But, but that's one area where I do think the, the industry has done a good job. Purpose and mission, I think the industry has done a fantastic job of advocating for that. And we, you know, as we are seeing now, we are in a world where people do expect their, um, the, their brands of choice to have some kind of point of view, not necessarily on everything, but on some issues that are relevant for for their particular um, sector. Um, the areas where I think the industry has not yet um, achieved a level of, of progress that I, I would like to see is um, around expanding the idea of what public relations is and how this idea that public relations has this opportunity to immerse themselves in all of the communities and perspectives um, for, for all of the stakeholders, right? And not just media. I do think there are still a lot of people and, and organizations within our industry that tend to gravitate towards media and in that form of influence. And and I don't want to minimize the importance of earned because, you know, we're seeing again and again in research that earned is what ultimately does have one of the biggest impacts on, on shifting behavior and, and impacting um, purchase, um, you know, purchasing behavior. But, um, but it's not just about media and there are so many stakeholders involved and I do think that the industry and, and I think there's a, a mix and, and again I'll, I'll give you another plug here Aaron I think W2O with your social graphics and with some of your analytics have actually done a really good job of, of expanding that beyond media but whenever I whenever I talk to um, someone in the industry who's really really just exclusively focused on media I I, I, I worry a little bit um, the other thing is uh, Paul mentioned was behavior change and, and I think this idea that what we're doing, like the, the coverage shouldn't be the, the end deliverable, right? I mean, ultimately behavior change, which can be measured in so many different ways, right? That's what we really should be looking at. And that's another thing with our award submissions when the result is left at, oh, and then we got coverage on Good Morning America and that's it. And they leave it there. It, it tends to be frustrating, I think, for the judges because they're, you know, this idea that that's our job is just to get coverage and not to actually influence and change behavior is something that's thankfully changing. Um, and I think the more progressive people in our industry understand that, yes, the coverage is, is part of that journey, but ultimately what we're looking to do is actually influence behavior. Um, and then the one other piece is the, the pricing model. I think, um, you know, Paul mentioned that in his piece, and I think that is something that right now does tend to overemphasize execution and undervalue strategy. Um, which I do think moving forward, the industry um, will have to revisit and we're seeing some more progressive. There are some progressive agencies that are playing around with that, with the pricing model. Um, but, it, you know, I think still we're still in this hourly based model, which does seem antiquated for, I think, our current environment. Well, those are good thoughts. And, you know, normally I know it's not great form to ask one journalist about another journalist's uh, article, but I know you do oversee and are steeped in the awards and the, you know, the events. And so you do get a 360 view of a lot of these agencies. So it was more Paul's article sparked the thought, but I know that you obviously know and think a lot about that. So thank you. And those are great answers. Um, and those sync with sort of what we see and some self-reflection. 
this is where I do want to get into a little bit more of the lighter side of the conversation, right? It's a little more about Arthi and, you know, getting to know you. And so I like to ask these three questions to everybody. And the first is, what's something about you that people don't know that you'd be willing to share with the audience? So because I just got off of my sabbatical, I will reference that. But, you know, I think most people in the industry that, that I work with anyway know that I've been off for July and August. But um, but I did spend August working on personal essay writing, which is something that I really, really enjoy. And I honestly just haven't had the time to do it since, you know, I've been working. And, of course, I have a, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old and, and a dog and a husband and, you know, all, you know, all of life stuff, right? So one of the one of the great treasures of my sabbatical was actually spending time on that. So, um I, I write personal essays. That's uh, something that people probably don't know. That's a good one. And I do like the fact that you talked about child, then dog, and then husband. So now <laughs> your husband knows where he is in the pecking order. Um, so related to the writing piece, I like to also find out, you know, what do smart people read? What do they keep in their libraries? And so uh, is there anything, and maybe over sabbatical, you know, you had a chance to read or over the last couple of years that really spoke to you that you'd like to share with the the listeners so and my husband will get a shout out here my husband actually recommended this author to me it's tim Kreider, and my husband heard him on npr and said to me you know this kind of sounds like he writes the kind of stuff that you want to do on your sabbatical so of course i ran out and got tim Kreider's books which um, most recently is called i wrote this book because i love you and another one that he wrote was called we learn nothing and they are brilliant i mean it's a it's a collection of personal essays but really i mean just I, I, I actually wrote Tim Kreider an email this summer and we went back and forth a couple of times just because I was just telling him that I just think you're brilliant and, um, and you know, any insight you have. And one piece of insight that he had that I think would be useful for brands is one thing that he, that he takes into account when he's um, writing is that you're not that special. And he says, and he also teaches at Sarah Lawrence and one of the things he tells his students is you're not that special. What will, what in your storytelling will connect with people is the universal threads. And you have to remember that what you experienced, other people have experienced, if not the same, you know, sequence of events, at least some of the same emotions that, that drove those, right? And I think that's an important lesson for brands to learn is you're not that special, right? To most people in this world, you're just another brand. But find those places where you can connect to people, where there's, there's that shared experience right and um and when 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 i read that or when you know when he said that i i actually that really resonated and i thought that really applies to um to brand so so tim Kreider is my faith favorite author right now well you know that's an important lesson because not only i think from a personal perspective you write a lot more than i do but i've done that in the past and it writing is hard right and writing in a in a consistent but differentiated way is hard and certainly as a brand it's even harder because you have to work within your corporate guidelines and if you're writing about a product or a lifestyle that may or may not be boring but it really is about that i know we had this nobody wants to hear it. it's about storytelling again but really storytelling is an art and people that are great storytellers it's they're either funny or dramatic or they use certain words or enunciation or you know things like that and so i love that idea of you're not that special but you know understanding sort of how you can find that key piece that does make you interesting or key, you know, f- uh, feature that makes you interesting is critical. Um, the last one, which I do like, and I always love to find out how people answer it. Uh, and it's the one that I make sure that I give people in advance because it ends up being the one that stumps a lot of folks, but assume you're stranded on a deserted Island, hopefully with nice drinks and plenty of food, but, um, you can only take one album with you. Ideally not a greatest hits. Which album would you pick and why? 
So this was actually easy for me because I always have to make this decision because I download, I always download one album on Spotify when I fly because there's that time where you don't have access to Wi-Fi where I need to, I need to tune out. And my current choice is Josh Ritter, The Beast in Its Tracks, which is his divorce album, which I actually think artist's best work comes on the back of divorces um and i so i love i love josh or, or breakups at least like yeah, alanis right. morissette certainly proved that and i think adele certainly proved that and even though they aren't the white guys with the guitars which <laughs> we were joking in our prep that arthy is a white guys with the guitars you know fan matt ritter falls into that yes uh, josh ritter josh ritter sorry yeah no and it's um you know and it's true and i and i, and I feel bad because because when when they're happily in a relationship i always think to, and then they and they're work starts to suffer a little bit you're like god i'm really happy that they're happy but man they need they need another heartbreak to like produce some really good work so that's my favorite josh ritter is because then and, and then and i actually didn't know it was his divorce album until later and then i thought ah that's why it's so good yeah well i, I would say it's one of those things where i'm very happily married you're very happily married but i think we can all look back into times in our life where we were in those sort of anxious moments and it is when you are your most passionate, right? And you have these intense feelings. And so not a shocker that that would be when people do their best music. Um, anyway, thank you, Arthi. This is Aaron Strout, the um, CMO at W2O Group, uh, host of the What's to Know podcast. And I've just spent the last 20 minutes with Arthi Shaw, who's COO, senior editor, and head of business development and strategic partnerships at The Homes Report. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Aaron. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash what to know.